right, good morning, everybody. All right, before we get too far into this, I just want to say just a huge thank you to our worship team and our AV team. What a quick recovery that was, and they worked so hard week in and week out, so let's thank them real quick. It's pretty amazing uh, to see how much work goes into all the things that, that happen in here, and, and when uh, in an instant all of it goes awry, um, that's when we're reminded of how thankful we are of people. And so I think it's good sometimes just to, to evaluate our thankfulness towards one another. And, and so, again, guys, thank you all so much for everything that y'all do uh, to make this happen this morning. Uh, my name's Stephen Pollitt. I'm the associate pastor here at Gateway, and it's my joy and pleasure uh, to be filling in for Blake uh, this week. I love um, preaching when I was the, the student pastor here. It's one of my favorite things is every single Wednesday I got to teach um, God's Word. And in my role now, um, I still get to do that, but I, I don't do it quite as often. Um, and so when I have these opportunities, I just want y'all to know it's just a an immense uh, joy. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to um, Colossians 3. And so as we've been going through Colossians together, um, we've looked at the supremacy of Christ, Christ uh, and nothing else. It's Christ alone. Uh, he saves us. It's, it's not by the things that we do or what we're capable of. It is Christ and Christ alone. And then um, last week, we dove in a little bit more into um, making sure legalism doesn't creep in uh, to our faith. And now we get in to chapter 3 after we come off the, the legalism uh, text, and it's a, a list of rules for us to be um, Christ-like. So I'm just going to be honest with you all. I, I, I struggled uh, with this text, like writing this sermon, um, seeking the Lord in the midst of it, because it's a delicate balance of that when we meet Christ, when we know Him and He has saved us, um, we, we get into a place where we understand that He did so much for us, and it's not by our, our own uh, gifts, our own um, abilities. It is Christ and Christ alone. But there is some responsibility to our faith, and that responsibility comes from heart change. And that's the perspective that I want us to look at as we read the, these texts together, as we dive into Scripture. I want us to evaluate our hearts. I want us to look at the heart change um, that is supposed to take place in, in our pursuit of, of Jesus Christ and what stops us from becoming legalistic with our faith is how we, how we grapple with how God sees us and how we view others. That's what stops legalism from creeping in to how we view everything. And so we're going to look at a lot of that today. But if you have your Bibles again, um, open up to Colossians 3. Um, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 uh, together to, to start this uh, sermon. So it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And so I love the way this text starts because it doesn't just dive into these rules um, for Christian behavior, uh, these rules for Christian life. What it dives into is setting our minds on things above. 
So I want to tell you guys, like when I first became a believer, when I first became a Christian, I was extremely legalistic. I viewed everything through the lens of what is good and what is bad, and I looked at myself as good. I didn't do a lot of the things that a lot of my friends were doing. I didn't do the things that, that in this world that we would consider um, bad. So I, I felt like I was good. I was covered. And all of these things were through the lens of like, these are the things that I can do on my own. Like I, don't, I got to a place where I felt like I didn't even really need Jesus. I can uh, withstain from premarital sex. I can withstain from drugs and alcohol. I can push away all of that stuff. I, I, I don't allow um, curse words to come through my lips. I can do the lists of the good things that I'm supposed to do, but it put me into a legalistic mindset. Um, and something that I've, I think I've shared before, something happened in my faith where I realized that I was a thief where I had the ability to, to take something that wasn't mine. I, I realized something about my faith that I had um, this ability to tear down others with my words. And, and, and so I started to realize, like, I wasn't perfect. And so what shifted was my perspective in how God viewed me. I had this unrealistic expectation that I put on myself that I had to bring perfection to God. And what that did is it birthed legalism in my life. And so what I want us to do now for the next few moments, we're going to sit um, quietly. And so as we look at what it looks like for us to be, be Christ-like, and what we find ourselves is, is we pursue purity, we push away idols, we become heavenly-minded, and we control our tongue. These are, are things that make us Christ-like. But those, that, that pursuit of being Christ-like comes through how God views us, and again, in turn, how we view others. So what I want us to do is I want us to set our minds on things above. Now, I know on Sunday mornings we're wrapping up a, a crazy week. The Cowboys are playing in a little bit. Everything that might be going through your mind right now might be earthly pursuits. You might be dreading what you're walking into in the workplace on Monday right now. You might be dreading some family relationships and the opportunity you have to be together this upcoming week or some difficult challenges and meetings that you're going to have, whatever it is in the earthly struggles that you're bringing right here this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to set our mind on things above that pushes away the legalism. So I just want us to meditate for a moment. If you all can, can do this with me, if you just close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want us to sit in silence. And whatever it is, the earthly things that you are grappling with right now, I want you to evaluate your heart and set your mind on things above. So let's just sit in the peace of quietness for a minute.
Lord, I come before you this morning. I thank you so much for the opportunity we get to dive into your word. Lord, I thank you um, for this series, that, that, that this book that you um, have given us, this opportunity we have um, to see that it's Christ and Christ alone that brings us salvation. Lord, I, I pray as we look at what it, it means for us to be Christ-like, Lord, I pray that we seek your eyes, that we view ourselves the way that you see us, Lord, that we see others as image bearers of Christ and that we see them properly, and that we push away um, idols, that we pursue um, purity, that we're heavenly minded and that we control our tongue. And Lord, where our flesh may fail, Lord, I pray that salvation prevails in action and in, in, and in word. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, as we've set our mind on things above, as we picture Jesus and what he's done for us, again, whatever earthly pursuits, whatever earthly challenges, whatever we are grappling with now, we are setting our mind on things above. And so what I don't want you to do as we dive into the rest of this and we list off the things that, that make us unchristlike. I don't want us to just check boxes. Yeah, I'm good there. I'm good here. This is why Christ loves me. What I want us to do is I want us to continue to look at things above. I want us to together look at what it looks like for us to pursue um, purity. I want us to look at together what it looks like for us to push away idols. I want us to look at together what it looks like for us to be heavenly minded and what it looks like for us to control our tongues. And so again, in, in verse one, it says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So what I want you to understand is as we pursue these things together and we leave this place, there are going to be moments where our flesh is weak and we're going to fail. But where our flesh fails, salvation prevails each and every time. And so as we look at these things, I don't want you um, to, to get caught up in the guilt of the inability to um, look Christ-like all the time. What I want us to do is again, look at things above, to move past the earthly challenges that we face. And again, in our society today, too many times we love being right more than we love being Christ-like. And so that's what I want us to truly look at today. I want us to look at what it really means for us to be Christ-like. And I can struggle with that because I am a, uh, tend to be a know-it-all. You can ask my wife later if you want. I can look at things, and I know the solution, and I know the right thing to, to do. Um, and if anybody gets in my way of what that right thing to do is, it can, be, it can be a struggle. It can be a challenge. But again, oftentimes I love being right more than I love being Christ-like. And that changes through how we see how God looks at us and how we look at others. So diving in now into verses um, 5 through 7, it says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in life you once lived. 
So again, fighting against earthly things can be a struggle. It's a struggle because we concern ourselves more with the things that pass away rather than the things that don't. And that's what uh, Paul is writing to the, 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 uh, this church in, in Colossians. Uh, what he's writing is set your, thing, set your mind on, on uh, things above instead of earthly things because we tend to get wrapped up in the things that, that end up passing away, the things that die, and those become the things that we love more than anything. That becomes um, our idol. So we have to fight against our earthly nature, and it's a struggle because those things end up perishing, but those are the things that are right in front of us often, more, more often than not. It reminded me in Joshua 24, it says, so I, so I gave you land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build and you live in them. And you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But you will serve whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And so I love this, this section in Scripture in Joshua 24. Um, it lays out, it says that you live in houses that you didn't build. You get the benefit of the food from these plants that you didn't grow, that um, all these, these earthly pursuits, these earthly things that are laid up in front of them, God is reminding his people, he goes, you didn't toil over any of this. He goes, I've gifted it to you as a blessing. So the first thing that we do to push away our earthly desires to get wrapped up in the things that perish is that we have to view everything as a blessing instead of all these things are things that I've labeled, labored for, these things that I um, pursue, these things that I have accomplished. And what the Lord says, he goes, none of that matters. He goes, set your mind on things above. And so in order to fight idols, to push away on these idols, that we have to look at everything um, as a blessing. And so how do we do that? How do we look at our homes as something that he's gifted us? How do we look at our vehicles as something that he's blessed us with? How do we look at our families? How do we look at our bank account? How do we look at all these earthly things that have an expiration date that are going to come to an end and look at them as a blessing? And how we do that is that we look at all of them through the lens of, of looking above. And so again, these earthly pursuits, our jobs, our families, our homes, all of these things are things that are good, but if they become our idols, they become, become God things really, really quick. And so we, we strive um, for purity, and how we strive for that is we understand what Christ did on the cross. And that seems very elementary to our faith, but how else are we supposed to look on things above if we don't look at it through the lens of what Jesus Christ has done for us and what he's gifted us? And again, we live in homes that we didn't build. We eat of these vineyards and these crops and these foods which we didn't labor for. And as it goes on through Joshua 24, he draws this line in the sand with God's people. And he says, you can continue to worship the idols that are in front of you. You can continue to toil over these earthly things. But as for me and my home, we're going to worship the Lord. So now is your moment. You either step in to pursuing God with everything that you are, not through legalism, but through setting your mind on things above. You step into what it looks like to truly be Christ-like, or you keep doing what you're doing 
Keep pursuing the things that have an expiration date. Keep pursuing the things that, that, that come from our earthly nature. And so I started thinking about as we, we pursue purity and as we push away idols, a lot of times our idols are good things that when they became God things, they become very bad. And so what are your idols that you still need to fight away, uh, that you still need to push away? And so for me, mine is comfort. And how it typically manifests for me as I pursue the idol of comfort, I tend to, to get stressed out and I'll overeat. As I pursue the idol of comfort, a lot of times it forces me to procrastinate on things that I'm supposed to deal with because I can't quite bear dealing with the hard thing in that moment because all I want to do is pursue the earthly idol of comfort. And so again, as we started this message and we started to evaluate these earthly things and we started to set our mind on the things above, that we have to understand all of us have idols that we pursue. In Joshua 24, it says, lay down all the idols that your ancestors worshipped, all those little gods that they used to pursue. Lay those down and pursue the one true God, because as for me and my home, we're going to pursue the Lord. And what that looks like is setting our mind on things above. One of the things that I love about this church is that we have so many different ministries that, that are developed and offered to us as Christ-like um, people in our pursuit to, to know him better. We have all these different ministries that are designed for us to be able to dive in a little bit deeper, for us to lay down our idols. I'm so thankful for our regeneration ministry. Um, if you ever go to that, you, can, you look at the list uh, of the idols that we pursue, the gods that we put before the one um, true God, and that we wrestle with our brokenness and we bring Christ crashing down in the midst of all those things. And like I said, for me, that idol of comfort can wreak havoc on my life. It can wreak havoc, havoc on my relationship with the people here at church. It can wreak havoc on my relationship with my family. And the only way that it doesn't so if I set my mind on things above, and I'm not going to pursue the things that have expiration dates, the things that are going to perish, I look at the things that are everlasting. In verses 8 and 9, it says, But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So these are the things that are so relevant today. And if you want to put yourself to the test, drive down 75 at 530 tomorrow afternoon. And let's see how you can uh, put these things at best and set your mind on things uh, above. But see, Paul was calling us for us to rid ourselves of the things that we do to others. So as we pursue these earthly things, and again, like I talked about earlier, it says sometimes we like to be right more than we like to be Christ-like. And that's why Paul says uh, to rid yourself of those old things and to pursue what's new. So we do this by being heavily minded. In Proverbs 13.3, it says, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, and those who speak rashly will come to ruin. So I want to share with you all a story. Back before I married Natalie and in my younger days, I was a bit of an explorer. I loved to be um, spontaneous. I would take road trips to nowhere. I would just drive and go see what I could find. Um, and, and I had a friend of mine uh, that was very similar to me. 
in this time. So I, both of us, we never required uh, much to live on. We never required uh, the, the nicest things. We, we sought adventure more than anything else. And so I love being spontaneous. It's amazing how that tends to fade away once you have three kids and all that good stuff. Um, but that's who I was in, in my younger life. And me and a friend of mine decided to go on this road trip. And so we'd planned this road trip. So it was somewhat spontaneous, but we also had a mission and a plan. And what we wanted to accomplish on uh, this very long road trip was we found home churches all across the country, and we would go spend some time with the pastors of these small home churches. We would find pastors of, of churches that were just planting, and a lot of them were meeting um, in elementary schools, a lot like how Gateway started. And we just wanted to see how they worshiped the Lord. We found different denominations from what we were, were accustomed to, and we wanted to see what their worship looked like. We wanted to see what Christ-likeness looked like in those communities and those environments. And a little bit into our road trip, we found ourselves in New Mexico, and we found a monastery that we wanted to spend some time in. So we spent a little bit of time in this monastery in the desert of New Mexico, and we got to, to know some of the monks there, and we got to talk to, with them about their pursuit uh, of, of the Lord and what that looked like for them and the vows that they took in order to, to um, pursue Christ-likeness. And there was one particular monk there that stood out to me as we, we spent more and more time. And this particular monk took a vow of silence. And so we were there for several days, and I, I would just watch him communicate. I would watch him navigate uh, the relationships that he had. I would watch him um, gather food. I would watch him have Bible study. I would watch him interact with, with his brothers. And it was so unique that as I was just watching him, um, I was in awe that he would never slip up, like a word would never come out of his, his mouth. And so we asked some of the monks there, like, why did he take uh, this vow of silence? And the reason why he took this vow of silence was he found himself often saying disparaging remarks about his brothers. And so he wanted to tear away the things that, that stopped him from being Christ-like, so he took this vow of silence. Like, it was amazing to me that he recognized that about himself, that he evaluated himself, and he said that, okay, in order for me to pursue Christ-likeness, in order for me to, to pursue the things above, I'm going to make a vow of silence. And I asked how long he was, he was going to do that for, and they said, as long as it takes. And so it caused me to start evaluating my heart, the things that I say to others, the things that I do to others, the earthly pursuits that I put before my one true God. And here's this monk in the desert of Mexico, New Mexico, willing to go great lengths in order to make sure he was pursuing the things above. So church, what I want us to do is I want us to, to as we looked at those things above, as we evaluated our heart, as we look at the earthly things that we pursue, I want you to ask yourself often, what are the links that you're willing to go in order to pursue Christ in a way that causes you to look like him? So for that monk, a barrier to being Christ-like was the words that came out of his mouth. Now, I don't think for all of us that it's, it's 
entirely appropriate or feasible or something we should do to take a vow of silence, but I think it's something that we should often do is evaluate our heart, how we view other people. He saw the things that he would say, and he saw those things as hurtful. He saw those things as, as an earthly pursuit, and so he cut it away. And so again, he had a higher calling. And so what are we willing to do in order to pursue our higher calling? It's also, it's important uh, for us to, to, as we look at what these earthly pursuits that we, we put in front of God, it's very important for us to not live in guilt of those things. And that's not what Paul is talking about when he's writing this to this church, when he's saying, look at, your, look at, at, at the things above and not of these earthly pursuits. He's not telling us to be guilty, to feel guilty about all that, because what guilt does is it stops us from willing to make the steps that we need to make in order to pursue Christ with everything that we are. In verse 10, it says, and, and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and an image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And here's Blake giving me another circumcision text, but we're not going to dive into to that fully today. But what we're saying here is we put on our new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of the Creator. So we are being renewed, not just in knowledge, but what that word knowledge means, is it means we're being renewed in truth, the truth of the gospel. Jesus Christ, crucified for our transgressions, laid in this tomb, He conquers sin forever. And so we have this ability to pursue, to pursue Christ and Christ-likeness. And again, our flesh is going to fail, but salvation prevails each and every time. And so this got me thinking a little bit about when, when um, I was dating Natalie, and I had this desire to want to marry her. And so I called her dad, and, and I asked her dad to go to lunch with me. We went to Humperdinks in Arlington, and we both sat down. We both ordered salmon, and I started to ask him, you know, I, I love your daughter, Mr. Williams, I, I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And I would like to ask you for permission for me to marry her. You know, I was shocked in his response because I didn't really know how he viewed me. I didn't really fully know um, what he thought about the rest of our lives together. And he looked at me, he goes, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, our family can be a little bit much. We like to be together a lot. And Natalie's family, like, I mean, President's Day becomes like a, a holiday that we needed to, to get together for dinner. Like, we like to spend time uh, together. He goes, are you okay with that? I go, I'm fine with that. I, I, I love being together with the family. And the next thing that he told me was not these list of things that he wanted in Natalie's husband, but he told me how he views his daughter and how he views her as precious. And so again, that higher calling that we have, we have to understand the way that Christ views us, and we see that in verse 12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, 
which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. So you see, we have to view ourselves the way that Christ views us. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. When I was at that lunch with my father-in-law, and he talked about how precious his daughter was. It wasn't a list of things that I had to be to be her husband. He wanted me to see Natalie the way that he saw her, as precious and worthy. And so again, we view ourselves the way that Christ sees us. In conclusion, verses 16 and 17, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, through hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. So it says, let this message of Christ dwell among you richly. You're going to have these moments in your Christian walk where you're going to admonish one another. You're going to disagree. But don't love being right more than you love being Christ-like. And so church, these last two verses, it calls us to sing hymns, to sing songs of the Spirit, to sing to God with gratitude. So how we're going to close out this service today is we, in a moment, we're going to sing the, the words on this screen. I want us to not just see the words on the screen. I want us to give thanks to a God that gave his son to die on the cross for us that he calls us to be Christ-like. He wants us to see ourselves the way that he sees us as dearly loved. He sees us as precious, church. And if he sees us that way, that's how he sees our brothers and sisters as well. And so let's sing songs of thanksgiving to thank God for what he's done on the cross for us, that he's redeemed us, that these earthly pursuits that expire, that they die and they fade away, and we put so much of our time and energy into. He's calling us to look above. So let's give thanks this morning, church, that he gives us the opportunity to look above. Church, he sees you as precious. He sees you as dearly loved. So as we pursue Christ together, this Christ-likeness, it requires community. It requires confession. It requires a willingness to pursue him above all else. But again, church, where your flesh might fail, salvation prevails. So again, let's pursue Christ-like behavior together. Let's push away the idols. Let's be heavenly-minded and let's control our tongues in order that others might come to know who Jesus Christ is. Let's push away these idols. Let's give thanks and gratitude to him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we get to be here together this morning. Lord, I thank you in the midst of everything going on in our lives, Lord, that we pursue you above all else. Lord, help us to know you better. Help us to be heavenly minded. Help us to control our tongues. Help us to see ourselves the way that you see us as precious. Help us to see others the way that you see them as image bearers of Christ. And Lord, let this higher calling ring true 
in word and in, in, in deed. In Jesus' name, amen.